Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show where I collect my favorite stories and ideas across InfoSec, technology, and humanity, and talk about why they matter. You can subscribe to the companion newsletter, which also functions as a show notes, at danielmeisler.com newsletter. All right, welcome to episode 57. Going to start with the news first in InfoSec. So the government is now actively investigating whether or not or to what degree Russia influenced the election. They basically know at this point that with very high confidence, it looks like the RNC was also hacked in addition to the DNC. And this kind of got me thinking about something I wrote about, I think back in August, which was what are the chances that they tried to hack both sides, but they failed to hack the right. And what are the chances that they did hack the right, but didn't find anything interesting? Both seem very unlikely to me, and it immediately pointed towards Russia being involved. Well, that was known that Russia was involved, but that they were trying to elect Trump in a very clear way. A new ransomware concept called Popcorn Time is doing something really, really nasty. It's giving the decryption key to people who pay for it, which is common for ransomware, but it will also give you the key if you agree to infect two other people using a referral link. It's like some crazy Stanford underground experiment, right? Super, super cold. Reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode, actually where uh, someone received a package that basically said, you can have anything you want, but someone you don't know will die. And the person grapples with it for the whole episode, but at the end, they decide to take the challenge. And of course, they end up dying a few minutes later when the next person gets <laughs> the same sort of offer, takes the same option, and then kills the previous person. Really interesting sort of psychological drama there of, yeah, I don't have the money for the ransom, so I'm going to screw two other people instead. CMU CERT is warning people to stop using vulnerable Netgear routers, including the R6400, the R7000, and the R8000. Numerous broken interfaces available on these systems, basically, allow for remote execution of commands uh, via CSERF, and Netgear is yet to fix the issues. The U.S. Senate voted last week to break cyber command away from the NSA. So they basically want to pull it away from the NSA and turn it into a full-fledged combat unit, which I think is probably the direction that we're going to go. Even if it doesn't happen now, it'll probably happen within the next couple of years. The FBI now has additional hacking powers that allow them to remotely access computers in any jurisdiction, including potentially overseas. It can also be used when a suspect is believed to be using anonymization technologies such as Tor. I'm expecting this to get much worse rather than better at the end of January, say around the 19th or the 21st, somewhere in that range. A new Linux kernel vulnerability has been found actually a set of vulnerabilities that could lead to crashing or execution of code as root. Patch now and patch often. 
Jauko Pionin, sure I'm mispronouncing that, a Finnish security researcher has found a second stored XSS in Yahoo Mail and has received a second $10,000 bounty to go with it. It's really cool, I think, that researchers can specialize in one particular area and then basically go and harvest bounties using that particular skill. This guy, for example, is all about some stored XSS. Google has concluded that FIDO UTF keys are better second factor auth system than one-time passwords or previous efforts. So basically they had done a lot with the OTPs and the SMS-based passwords that get sent to you. And it turns out they don't like them nearly as much as what equates to basically a smart card, uh, oftentimes used as like a USB system. You just plug it in, uh, you can do a thumbprint on it. YubiKey is a good example of this, but it looks like Google likes this technique a lot better than other systems. I always really enjoy when Google or someone big like that puts out a study of a lot of people trying to do something similar to their study about hiring, uh, because it just offloads a lot of research onto someone who one, loves data, and two, gets to try out a lot of different systems. So seeing that they prefer this system to OTP SMS is really useful. A former Expedia employee has been charged with securities fraud for hacking his own executives and using the stolen information to make over 300K on the stock market. Being sentenced in February of 2017 could face up to 25 years in prison on top of the $250,000 fine. Crime did not seem to pay in this case. Looks like it's possible to guess Visa credit card numbers via brute force due to two separate vulnerabilities. So one, they don't detect invalid payment requests across multiple websites. And there's also variation in the part of the card that you're asked for. So if you just ask for a lot of these different requests multiple times, you'll get different view each time. And then you could just brute force it because it's allowing multiple things from multiple locations. And uh, turns out you can actually get expiration date, the card number, and the CSV in just seconds. And Visa is vulnerable to this, but MasterCard and a number of others are not. There's a new malware kit called Stegano that hides the malware within the pixel of banner ads in a malvertising campaign. So they buy time basically on big sites through the ad campaign, send a malicious image along with some JavaScript code. And when the page loads, the JavaScript parses the image and turns the code into characters. Pretty nasty, but awesome. The NSA is losing tons of talent and they're losing it faster than they can replenish it. Basically, the problem is morale because a whole bunch of people are leaving because they feel like the bad guys, they feel like the enemy, where they probably joined because they were patriotic and they want to do good things for the country. And now they're feeling like everyone hates them. Maybe they are doing the wrong thing, or maybe they just feel like others think they're doing the wrong thing. But either way, they have a major problem with retention right now and recruiting. Technology news. Amazon is opening a proof of concept store in Seattle where you just swipe your Amazon app when you walk in. You just go and buy things and then you just put them in the bag and walk out. There's no line, there's no checkout, there's like no friction whatsoever. I really hope more and more people move towards this model 
It's kind of like Apple Pay versus Uber. Apple Pay is amazing compared to a credit card, but it is nothing compared to Uber where you actually don't do anything. Maybe use your thumbprint for the initial calling of, of the ride. But other than that, I mean, you don't do anything when you leave. It's even better than Apple Pay. The future of payments is zero friction. It's not even doing anything at all to pay for the uh, event. Or if you do do something, it's something like a nod or a thank you or a, a, a gesture. But the idea is to have it as frictionless as possible or as natural as possible if it does involve friction. Apple is about to start publishing AI research papers, which is a major break from what it usually does, which is not publish anything. It looks like the primary reason is that they can't attract a lot of talent because the people who they want to hire want to talk about the cool stuff they're working on. And if they're going to a place that does not allow them to do that, they simply won't go there. GitHub has added review requests, which allow you to request certain people to review your pull requests. Amazon has a new service called Amazon Recognition with a REK recognition, which identifies the things in any image you give it using AI. The power of these services is becoming like crazy. And the fascinating thing is that they only get better the more people use them. I, I don't see how this stuff just doesn't replace tons of jobs quicker than people think. Google will hit 100% renewable energy in 2017. I can't believe they got there that fast. Evidently, they and a number of other big companies are mostly wind-based, where Apple is mostly solar-based. Apple is looking to gain the ability to show you movies through Apple TV that are still in the theater. They're in talks with several studios now out of Hollywood. I think this is kind of an inevitability. I mean, you have the merging of mobile versus home. You have the merging of content creators versus content distribution. I don't see why we're not also going to break down the barrier between theater and home or theater and mobile. It's just another content endpoint that people consume on. So I expect simultaneous release to be somewhat the norm within the next couple of years. Basically, theaters are going to have to find another reason to get people in there. The reason is not going to continue to be that you get it there first. They're going to have to differentiate in some other way. WordPress 4.7 is out. If you run it, make sure you get updated. And Apple released single sign-on just recently, which means you can sign in once to your cable provider. And then anytime you go to click on something that requires that cable account, just uses your stored credentials. So you basically have frictionless entry into watching live TV, watching whatever content you need to that requires that one cable login. They're really focusing on this whole friction reduction uh, sort of campaign because they basically they're, they're getting ready to release the TV app. And the TV app does kind of the same thing in the sense that you just search for what you're looking for across all TV, across all movies. You just ask for what you want to watch. And it handles on the back end the logging into all these different services, whether it's a Netflix app or it's a Showtime app or an HBO app. It logs into all of them sort of transparently and on the back end so you don't have to mess with it. You just ask to see something and it shows it to you.
again, this is obvious functionality that I think everyone's going to have soon. It's going to seem ridiculous that anyone didn't have it in the beginning. Human news. There's a new movie coming out starring Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, and John Boyega about a tech dystopia where people know too much about you. Seems like so many movies are basically long form Black Mirror episodes at this point. Taking practice tests has been shown to be a better way to protect against the stress of actual exams. Basically, if you study normally, you can actually do pretty well with your studying and your practicing. But when you get into the actual test, you might freak out and not be able to produce that same sort of level of knowledge. But if you do lots of practice tests beforehand, you're more likely to behave normally and perform well in the actual test. Great article here on the benefits of aerobic exercise to brain activity. Running seems to be ideal, but the fundamental concept seems to be 30 minutes at least of activity that gets you sweating. So it could be brisk walking or whatever. And people who do it often see even more benefits than those who just do it a little bit. There's growing concern around the quality of search results for critical queries, such as, did the Holocaust happen? That search, for example, on Google returns top results that basically say it did not, that it's a hoax, it's some conspiracy created by the Jews. It's a really important question when you're talking about this fake news stuff, because so many people, when they don't know something, especially in the Middle East or someplace where there's lots of propaganda flying around, around the Holocaust, they look to Google to get their definitive answer. And if Google returns results to the question of, did the Holocaust really happen? It returns results that, that say, no, it didn't. Something like six out of the 10, maybe, maybe seven out of the 10 results on the front page of Google, when you ask that question, are saying that, no, it did not happen. And that, that's a serious problem if you care about the truth. So the question is, is Google responsible for educating the world? Or is it okay for them to allow Stormfront and these, these other results that show up in the list to game the output and actually change the minds of people who are searching for this information? Ideas. So first idea here, how improving your skills can hinder your ability to execute. This is a short piece I wrote about how when you're learning something, it slows down your ability to relax and be fully powerful in your execution of that thing. So if you spend all your time relaxing and sort of improving your performance by being super relaxed and high energy and aggressive, the moment you start learning how to enhance your skill, you start thinking about a particular part of the technique, you immediately tighten up. And that tightening is what harms your performance more than anything. You have to be loose to perform well. So what, what it turns out to be the answer here is you have to be able to flip a switch, yes or no. And basically in training, you think, in execution, you must not think. You must be fully aggressive and fully outgoing. Applies to quite a few things. Applies to physical performance. Also applies to, say, public speaking. Lots of different things. 
My theory for why music makes us happy, essentially beats become patterns, patterns become stories, stories become struggles, struggles become proxies for survival and reproduction, survival and reproduction become proxies for meaning, meaning become represented by hormones, and hormones produce happiness. And that is why music makes us happy. Why you should act on inspiration immediately? The idea here is that inspiration has a shelf life. If you're in the middle of something and you're struck by this amazing idea and you think you could just write down a quick little note that reminds you, oh, let, let me come back to this, doesn't often work because what happens is you finish your task, you go back to your list, you look at it and it's like, do that thing with that thing, but do it different this time. And you read this and you're like, what was I talking about? I was so excited about this. How did I go from being so excited with this amazing idea to this dumb sentence I just wrote, which I have no idea why I thought it was interesting. So the answer here is to capture as much as you can while you're feeling the rush. So a good, good example or a way of doing this is to record your voice and just go on a rant. Just talk about it fully while you're excited, capture the whole thing via audio. And so you can go back to it. Or if you have the time and sort of the energy and the focus, you know, break it down into a series of bullets and write out the idea. But oftentimes it's better, especially for the tasks that you're currently on, just to rant about it on an audio clip and come back to it later. But at least then, hopefully you will have preserved the enthusiasm that you had for the idea. Too many diagnostics are an unfortunate hybrid of both a measurement and analysis. This is a crazy idea I heard about on the A16Z podcast. So the idea is that a diagnostic is actually two things, right? It's both the measurement and the analysis of the measurement. But the problem is too many people are storing only the analysis. And this is going back like decades. So you can't actually update your analysis techniques like with big data and machine learning and all these things, and then go back and look at the data because you don't actually have it. All you have is the result of the analysis. So what this person was making a point of on the podcast was, look, we need to store the raw data because the raw data lives, right? It lives a hundred years in the future when we have way better ways of doing the analysis. All right, this is a cool one. How to raise an employee's IQ by 10 points in two minutes. This is a short piece I just wrote uh, a couple of days ago. Basically, the two steps to raising someone's IQ massively, and I say employee here, it could be anyone. Give them a major responsibility, that's number one, and tell them that you trust them, that's number two. Basically, empowerment can turn a C player into an A player instantly. Gratitude is the epicenter of happiness. This is about how evolution tricks us into being, being unhappy with our lives for a very good reason, right? If you're not unhappy, you're not striving to get better. If you're not striving to get better, you're probably not going to win. If you're not going to win, you're not going to pass on your genes. So evolution doesn't like that. So basically, this is a piece about how we need to find ways, because we have so much, to feel gratitude. 
when you feel gratitude, you almost are instantly happy because gratitude is the result of surviving. It is the result of persevering against a major obstacle. And if we can see our lives as that in a default state, sitting on a couch with a nice book while warm and safe, that is the key, I think, to a lasting happiness, as opposed to what evolution wants us to do is to instantly become unhappy the moment we've attained anything so that we can move on to the next thing. This is why people are so unhappy is because evolution wants them to be. Many people are giving up on PGP due to usability. This is an insane failure of interface and design. So PGP is an amazing idea. The idea that you can share some public information with someone else and securely send them messages. It's been out for 30 years and nobody's figured out how to make it approachable, usable, and integrate it into an average person's workflow. And for that reason, it's dying. And what's happening now is a bunch of security people are coming out and saying, you know what? Uh, I've been trying to push for this for decades and it's never worked. No one adopts it. And now I'm dumping it. Now I'm just giving up on it. And it's really sad. All that promise and it failed due to narrative UI and UX. All right, next section is discovery. The Outline is a new news site that takes a really unique approach to what it shows you and how it presents it. Really, really interesting interface. The stories are quite good, but the interface, both on mobile and desktop, are really, really interesting. Definitely worth playing with it for a few minutes. I think a lot more sort of services are going to head in this direction of sort of novel ways of presenting you information. And part of their pitch actually was exactly that that when you get information from other sources, it always comes at you in exactly the same way. You know exactly how to deal with it, which has its upsides, but it also just makes everything kind of stale. So they're looking for a different way of doing it. Dark patterns are UIs and UXs that are designed to trick users into doing things they wouldn't otherwise do. So this site, darkpatterns.org, takes a stand against that through user education. I posted a link to my article on installing Suricata IDS on a Linux box in five minutes. There's a project just came out about vacuuming image metadata from the Wayback Machine. So basically it's some, uh, I believe it's Python, to go and scrub all the images from the Wayback Machine. And it's basically using the EXIF tool to pull all the data out of the images because back then there was EXIF data in tons of images, most images. So it's basically harvesting that for cool information. Got a cool link here on how to create an IAM user on AWS using Metasploit. Got Bill Gates's list of favorite books for 2016. I got a bunch of hits on my site recently for the first 10 things I do on a new Mac, I assume because a bunch of people are getting MacBook Pros. Pixabay is a free search engine for free high quality images. So I use this a lot for my site for images. 
Uh, it's a really cool search engine, like close to a million different images, very high quality and all free and sort of creative commons. Saturn's jet stream is shaped like a hexagon. Somebody explain this to me. This is unbelievable. Some really high quality images at this link. Needle, an iOS security testing framework. Reminds me a lot of a tool called IDB actually by Daniel Mayer and a tool that I helped uh, develop with a bunch of friends at HBE, my previous job. Ben Evans has released his update to his exceptional mobile is eating the world presentation. One of the absolute best presentations on tech trends you will see anywhere. And uh, there's a new RPG out called Cryptomancer RPG. It's a tabletop role-playing game made for hackers by hackers. It's a combination of hacking and fantasy. Might actually have a go at this with some friends. Notes. If you're not using Amazon Smile, you should really check this out. So basically you go to Amazon, amazon.com or co.uk if you're on that side of the water. But uh, instead of going to the regular URL, you can actually go to smile.amazon.com. What it does is it has you pick a charity and then for a, a bunch of different products, not all products, but for a bunch of them, when you buy things, normally you don't pay any extra, but Amazon sends a portion of your purchase to that charity. Recently finished reading Left of Bang, and I've got my summary for that book here. Currently reading Naked Statistics, I'm about two thirds of the way done. And I'm reading next, Steal Like an Artist, Sapiens, The Docker Book, Tools of Titans, and The Gene. Recent podcasts I listened to, A16 on health data. That's where I got that information from above. Intelligence Squared on Obama's foreign policy, where I concluded that it is an actual failure. We'll talk about that more later. Waking Up with Sam Harris on Exceptional Islam. Very cool episode. Recommendations. Go to smile.amazon.com. Configure a charity and change your Amazon bookmark, if you have one, to use Smile instead of the regular site. Definitely recommend that. Consider making a Slack channel for your closest friends. This is a really cool way to stay connected. Probably way better than traditional methods like text or whatever. One of the best ways to become extremely informed on important topics is through this podcast called Intelligence Squared. It's Oxford-style debating on key issues, and you always learn tons about both sides when you're listening to an episode. But the coolest part is that they poll what people think for the proposition before they walk into the building. They have the Oxford-style debate, which has three phases, and it's four debaters, and they go at it for an hour. I believe it's an hour long. And at the end, they vote again. There is always a winner because the way it's judged is by who changes the most minds. And there's always a winner at the end. Good example is the Obama foreign policy one, which I just listened to. I voted for Obama twice, but after listening to this, I absolutely do agree that Obama's foreign policy was a failure. So it's a good example of how listening to 
the top experts on a topic for an hour debating in Oxford style can get you really, really informed in a short amount of time. And this week's aphorism, a person who does not read good books has no advantage over someone who cannot read them. And that's by Mark Twain. Have a good week. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget, you can get the show notes for this episode, including all the news, ideas, and links in the companion newsletter at danielmeesler.com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.